0: Welcome to episode 204 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about the absolute nature of the Second Amendment. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and you see discussions about the Second Amendment, abortion, the Constitution, the absurdity of mainstream media, or the purposeful destruction of the economy and the country, please share the truth Quest podcast with your friend. Tell them to browse the episode titles and dive in. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at Instagram.com forward slash TruthQuest podcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Resident Biden is fond of saying the Constitution is not absolute. Most recently, he said, quote, the Second Amendment is not absolute. When it was passed, you couldn't own a cannon. You couldn't own certain kinds of weapons. There's just always been limitations, end quote. And then he gives the audience that creepy Joe smirk where he raises his left lip resembling the devil himself. See, in the mind of the left, if they like a policy and the Constitution is silent on the issue, and therefore it's outside the jurisdiction of the federal government, They invent constitutional rights to justify it, such as socialized medicine, abortion, or the COVID vaccine mandates. On the other hand, if they disagree with the policy in which the Constitution is not silent, they ignore what the Constitution says, such as the right to bear arms or the right to a speedy trial and to due process. Think about the January 6th defendants. Lawrence Vance explains the Second Amendment this way. The Second Amendment does not grant to any American the positive right to keep and bear arms. It recognizes a pre-existing natural right. The Second Amendment is an additional limitation on federal power to infringe upon gun rights besides the fact that no authority is granted to the federal government in its limited enumerated powers to infringe upon them in the first place. This means that from a constitutional perspective, the federal government has no authority to ban and or regulate handguns, shotguns, sawed-off shotguns, rifles, assault rifles, extended capacity magazines, high caliber guns and ammunition, automatic weapons, bump stocks, or bazookas. And neither does the federal government have the constitutional authority to establish or mandate gun bans, gun-free zones, background checks, waiting periods, limits on gun purchases, licensing of gun dealers, gun owner databases, gun licensing, trigger locks, rules for gun sales or transfers, gun registration, age restrictions, gun storage requirements, or concealed weapons laws. That means that the federal gun laws are illegitimate and should be repealed, and that the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, the ATF, and the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, the NICS, should be abolished. Furthermore, there were no federal gun control laws in the United States for over 150 years of the country's existence. That didn't happen until the National Firearms Act of 1934 and the Federal Firearms Act of 1938. Now I can hear some of you thinking, well, I personally like the idea of there being some restrictions on guns and gun ownership. To that I say, no problem. We can have government restrictions on guns and gun ownership at the state level. Not at the federal level, at least if we're abiding by the Constitution. Either we live in a constitutional republic or we don't. You can't pick and choose where the federal government's involvement starts and ends. The Constitution must be the only source of truth. This brings us to the question for today's episode Is the Second Amendment absolute? Here's the text of the Second Amendment in its entirety. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. Do you hear any restrictions in those 26 words? Me neither, but the resident of the United States thinks there is. It sounds pretty absolute to me. There's no mention of cannons or assault rifles or AR-15s. Nothing about bump stocks. Nothing like that. And yet our federal government, usually national Democrats, progressives, and leftists are hell-bent on eroding our right to bear arms because, as I just mentioned, if they disagree with a policy in which the Constitution is not silent, they conveniently ignore what the Constitution actually says. I think it would be valuable to have a quick history lesson when it comes to the absolute nature of the Second Amendment. Do you know why the Founding Fathers made Bear Arms Amendment No. 2? meaning it comes right after the First Amendment. Because in order to defend the First one, you may need said arms. I mean, if the government is the only entity with arms, we're all screwed. So please spare me the argument that the right to bear arms is about hunting and sports shooting. That is a bunch of intellectually lazy bullshit. It is about creating an armed populace in case the federal government becomes tyrannical and totalitarian. Think back to what the British attempted to do to the colonists. They tried to take their guns, and then they tried to tax the shit out of them without proper representation in Parliament. That's it. Insurrection and revolution ensued. What have the most murderous totalitarian regimes in history done before they became murderous? They disarm their subjects, of course, because they are cowards and are unwilling to enter a real fight where the people actually have a chance of saying no. Have you heard this one uttered by brain dead congressmen? They say something like, well, you can't fight the government with a handgun because we have nukes, so stop bitching and moaning about gun rights. This is stupid on so many levels that it boggles the mind. It's similar to the assinities uttered by Senator Lindsey Graham and deceased John McCain back during the Patriot Act debate, specifically about government spying. They actually argued that if you don't have anything to hide, you shouldn't worry about it. In other words, screw your constitutional right to a due process and a warrant. We are the all-powerful government. Do as we say or else. So beyond the fact that the Second Amendment is absolutely absolute by just reading the text, we've had the Supreme Court step in in recent years to reaffirm the absolute nature of the amendment. In the 2008 case, District of Columbia v. Heller, the Supreme Court held that the Second Amendment protects an individual right to possess a firearm unconnected with service in a militia, and to use that arm for traditionally lawful purposes such as self-defense within the home. And just last week, the Supreme Court reinstated New York residents' absolute right to bear arms by striking down a law in that state that required an applicant to demonstrate proper cause in order to carry a weapon for self-defense purposes, in other words, to get a conceal and carry permit. Clarence Thomas wrote for this New York case the following, quote, Individuals have the right to carry a handgun for self-defense outside the home. The Second Amendment's plain text thus presumptively guarantees the petitioners a right to bear arms in public for self-defense. In other words, the Second Amendment is absolutely absolute. A couple days later, New Jersey just coincidentally dropped their justifiable need requirement for conceal and carry. I guess the New Jersey Attorney General didn't have the stones to pursue all the lawsuits that were coming his way all the way to the Supreme Court, given the ruling that just came down. Then, just a couple days later, the Senate passed and Biden signed a piece-of-shit bill on the heels of the most recent school shooting because you never want a crisis to go to waste. So every time there's a mass shooting not perpetrated by a racist, loony leftist, the Democrats trout out gun control reforms. This time they got 15 squishy Republican members of the Senate to vote for this shit. Key provisions of the bill included expanding federal background checks for people between the age of 18 and 21, incentives for states to adopt so-called red flag laws, expand access to mental health programs, and enhance school security. Now, I know some of you are wondering why I'm trashing this legislation, but if the Lawrence Vance quote I just read Doesn't give you a hint, give me a minute, and it'll be crystal clear. By the way, if you're interested in these red flag laws, check out episode 60. Here's the ironic part about this entire constitutional argument. The Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments of the Constitution, only apply to the federal government. The Feds cannot infringe on your freedom of speech, religion, peacefully assemble, the free press, your right to bear arms, due process, double jeopardy, self-incrimination, speedy trial, jury trial, all that stuff. The Bill of Rights makes no mention of state governments. In fact, the state ratifying conventions had no intention of restricting their own state powers because they all had state constitutions that did that already. So all the angst over the New York gun law and D.C. versus Heller should not even be a discussion. If New York State and the District of Columbia want their citizens to be unarmed and unable to defend themselves from bad guys, the Supreme Court should have nothing to say about it. How do I know this? Because I read the preamble to the Bill of Rights, which makes the purpose of it very clear. It reads, The conventions of a number of the states, having at the time of their adopting the Constitution, expressed a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers, that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added, and as extending the ground of public confidence in the government will best ensure the beneficent ends of its institution. Now, I know that's a bunch of 18th century mumbo-jumbo, but what government is it speaking of preventing its abuse of power? Notice, it's not plural. It's singular government. They're talking about the federal government. The Bill of Rights was not intended to apply to the states. You gotta let that sink in. But why isn't that the case today? Why is everything a federal case? Because of something called the Incorporation Doctrine, which is the subject of episode 37 if you're interested. Basically what happened is a progressive court decided out of thin air that as part of the 14th Amendment, that's the one that protects the rights of freed slaves across the country. They declared that the Bill of Rights applied to the states. And that became precedent or stare decisis. Now do you see where I'm coming from? The progressives screwed themselves. Instead of having a state like New York, Illinois, New Jersey, and California, where they would prefer that only bad guys have guns and law-abiding people will be restricted, we now have the Supreme Court offering opinions on their state laws. Author Brian Vanyo explains it this way, quote, under this doctrine, the incorporation doctrine, the court incorporated various protections from the Bill of Rights into the 14th Amendment's due process clause that no state could deny. By treating these restrictions on federal power as fundamental rights protected by the 14th Amendment, the court stole from the people their natural and constitutional authority to set the boundaries of such rights in their state governments, End quote. In other words, the Supreme Court, contrary to some of its earlier opinions, applied rules designed to restrict the federal government to the state's Remember, the purpose of the 14th Amendment was to ensure the protection of a specific set of rights to new black citizens, not an incorporation of the Bill of Rights. That was not the intention of the 14th Amendment. It is simply used as a method for federal judges to meddle in the affairs of the states. Think about how perverted our constitutional system is today, regardless of your political leanings. When states pass strict gun control laws, what happens? Opponents to the restrictions run to the federal courts and scream Second Amendment. Does the federal government possess the power to regulate state gun laws through the Second Amendment? No. When someone refuses to bake a cake for a homosexual couple, what happens? The couple runs to the federal courts and screams that the baker is discriminating against them, and the baker argues that he has freedom of association and free speech rights. Does the federal government possess the power to force commerce under some federal anti-discrimination law? Or does it have the power to rule on freedom of association and free speech within a particular state? No. But what if most Republicans in Congress support some federal gun laws, like the 15 who just voted for the most recent bill? That just means that they are enemies of the Constitution they claim to cherish. But what if the Supreme Court declares that existing federal gun laws are constitutional? Well, that just means that they are ignorant of the Constitution they claim to be using to interpret the laws they are judging and or they are acting as super legislators. But what if the Second Amendment only protected the right to keep and bear arms in an organized militia? After all, it says the word militia. It wouldn't change the natural or moral right of all men to arm themselves. It would just be an amendment to protect the right to keep and bear arms in an organized militia. Natural law supersedes man-made laws. In the case of the Second Amendment to the Constitution, it simply restricted the federal government from a specific activity. But what if the Second Amendment were repealed? That is certainly a possibility. The, The 21st Amendment repealed the 18th Amendment that instituted prohibition. Similar to the last response, because no authority has been granted to the national government by the Constitution to infringe on gun rights or have anything to do with guns, even if the Second Amendment did not exist, Americans would still have the natural right to keep and bear arms. This is a simple issue to litigate. If it wasn't for the totalitarians among us, this would never be an issue. So, is the Second Amendment absolute? It is absolutely absolute. All of the nibbling around the edges by the Feds, red flag laws, gun restrictions, bump stock bans, ammo and capacity restrictions are all unconstitutional. The key takeaway is something that I just mentioned. If the Second Amendment did not exist, Americans would still have the natural right to keep and bear arms. No government has the right to infringe on a natural right. Unlike most other countries in the United States, we are fortunate enough to have that fact documented in our nation's founding document. And that's the truth about the absolute nature of the Second Amendment. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.